Small businesses are at the heart of the U.S. economy. Here at Nurture Small Business Podcast, we're dedicated to seeing our small business owners succeed. I am your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. If you like what you hear on today's podcast, please share it. You have my gratitude for doing so. In a world where more and more communication takes place over video, how do we communicate effectively while still being our authentic selves? In steps Rachel Kosar, co-founder of Virtual Sapiens, that focuses on the communication that does not come out of your mouth. Her vision, a world fueled by real human connection on screen and off. Welcome to the show today, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited. I heard you on another podcast and asked my team as like, hey, please reach out to her. I think it was the sales podcast, was it not? Yes, with Nancy. With Nancy, yeah. One of a kind sales, yeah. One of a kind sales. Mm -hmm. I was on that one as well. So um, it's nice to see that these connections all make it around despite the fact or maybe because of the fact that they're virtual. Yeah, absolutely. It's... um... It's funny, and I'm sure you would agree, but there's so much that has opened up in terms of access now that we, now that video is a a very accepted channel of communication. I I definitely agree. I think um, we struggled some to get used to it, even though my company has been virtual and remote for more than a decade. Mm -hmm. But I do think that in some ways we struggled to um, just kind of fit into that new normal, you know, particularly networking events where it's typical that that's where you facilitate conversations and connection. And uh, then the follow-up meetings, which is normally for me would have been a coffee meeting at a coffee shop. So now it's coffee and on the screen. Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. So give me some background information on you. How did you get into virtual sapiens what happened first oh uh it's it's like what happened first i i I tend to believe that there's so much of our present is founded on our past and so when i tell my story i usually start with the career i had as a professional ballet dancer with boston ballet danced with a company for 10 years and as anyone who's seen a ballet or knows something of the ballet world's the whole performance is nonverbal, right? It's nonverbal expression. It's your body, your physicality, and you can somehow make it through three hours of ballet dancing and come out of it as an audience member, knowing so much about the individual characters and how they felt. And, you know, it's, it's a phenomenal kind of art form in and of itself, but that really developed inside me an awareness and appreciation and fascination of how we as humans can connect without the use of words. And uh, I retired in 2016. Unfortunate injury um, just goes hand in hand sometimes with being a professional ballet dancer. But when I entered the workforce, I my first traditional job was at Harvard University in their fundraising department. And I just had this kind of spidey sense around some of what I felt these fundraisers were leaving on the table in terms of the way they were showing up to very high-level conversations with almost perfect eloquence in terms of what they were saying, but their bodies were almost um, betraying them a little bit, you know, stooped postures, fidgety hands, shifty eyes, things like that. And so I started developing my own body of work in that space, body language presence, 
communication and, and, you know, with that nonverbal focus and did a lot of facilitation in your more normal, I guess, um, legacy way, right? One-to-many workshops, one-on-one private coaching, all in person. And then of course, when the pandemic hit and video came online as the channel of connection and communication, I thought, you know, not only will this be a challenge for people to feel like themselves, to feel like they can really show up and communicate effectively, but it's also an opportunity because now we can leverage some technology to introduce scale and access to something that typically is a pretty high price item, right? The kinds of communication coaching I used to do was reserved for executives and leaders. And now we can kind of open up access a little bit through virtual sapiens. Okay. So tell me about the clients that you typically work with. We work with a variety of different customers. So primarily we fit within the learning and development arm of an organization or a company that has some scale. So mid mid size to higher is our sweet spot because what we can do is provide from hundreds to ten thousands of employees with their very own kind of private feedback platform. Um, industries that work well for us tend to be pharmaceutical, biotech, technology software companies, right? Companies that have an element of virtual connection and communication, right? So where video has maintained itself as a a way that people connect. And then the other way that we actually work is, is in direct partnership with other coaches. So whereas some people might say like, oh, wow, is she trying to replace coaches? Absolutely not. Our tool is really set to amplify human coaching right? Like our tool is great at providing personalized feedback across a baseline with convenience and with progress tracking mechanisms, but we're not like, we don't get to the same level of nuance and um, kind of that emotional connection you can develop with a, with a real coach. So you said a couple of things that triggered some questions. You said private feedback and you said tool. So my question here is, is this a is this coaching as a service or is this a platform tool or is this something hybrid or both yeah so we are virtual sapiens uses ai to provide feedback on video presence and communication so it is a full full on technology enabled solution what does that mean so that means that as a user right so if you're a professional who communicates over a video and is looking for some quick feedback on things they can improve when it comes to their presence, you can sign up for our tool and then run through either one of our assessments or our practice mirror is what we call it. You just, like if you have a pitch or a presentation, you can run through it. And then our AI accesses your web stream and analyzes the web stream in real time. And so it, it detects you as a human, and then it can understand the types of movements you're doing, the types of behaviors you're exhibiting or not exhibiting. And then at the end of that analysis, you get a breakdown of your feedback and scores. So it's a practice tool. It's not something you would, like, for instance, I brought fireflies into the meeting to record and have a transcript. So it's not something like that would I, that I would put into a live meeting. So you can do both. Um, one of our underlying missions is to meet professionals where they're at. 
right? And, and to give them convenient access to feedback. So we have a tool called the Sidekick AI Coach, and that you can use during a call. It un- Unlike some of these bots like Fireflies, for example, um, it doesn't join the call as a participant. So you don't have to announce to anyone that you're recording the call and getting feedback and all this stuff. It literally just sees you. Mm. And so it's a very private coach in that sense. Um, but so we have that as an option. And then we have these asynchronous you know, assessments or, or practice, kind of safe practice uh, portal sessions that you can do you know, whenever you want. How did you come up with this idea? I mean, I know you told me your history about being in ballet, but, you know, AI and ballet are quite a distance apart. Yeah, it's so funny, uh, Denise, because they they are. They are. And if you were to have come to me while I was, you know, in the throes of my ballet career and said, Rachel, one day you're going to be running an AI company, I would be like, uh, you've got the wrong person. Um, but... I mean, I think when you kind of run through that evolution of leaving this the world of the ballet, which for any dancer, similar to any performing artist or athlete or anyone really who's going through a big transition, you know, it's it's such a jarring change anyways, that you're kind of forced into a new world with a very different perspective. And I think part of that was what prompted me to always be thinking about like, what do I know about performance and communication and expression that could benefit others in this new world that I'm in? And even before the pandemic, I'd wondered like how this just, this seems a little inefficient. You know, there's only like one of me and there are so many people who need some level of feedback. You know, not everyone needs to hire a private coach. Not everyone can afford that, but everyone could benefit from some feedback in this area. And so that was always on my mind. And I think it was just when the pandemic happened and I saw that people were now going to be using video. If video was going to be used, we could we could bring in some technology. And I even now my expertise is not in AI. I have a, a co-founder who joined me. He's technical. So that kind of helps bridge a little bit of that gap too. So you partner with somebody who has different strengths. Absolutely. Okay. So pandemic brought most of this about. So you haven't been around, but maybe a couple of years. Yeah, we, um, January, 2021 was when we really started in, <laughs> in earnest when I started on this project full time. So. All right. So coming up on three years. Perfect. Tell me about some of the challenges you initially had in creating a totally new concept. Yeah. Great question. Um, I think, well, definitely for me, there was obviously the obvious technical barrier, right? Like I had this idea. I didn't know if it was possible. You know, I think sometimes even with AI now and ChatGPT and generative AI, people are like, it's taking over the world. And it's like, well, it can do some things well. And then other things it's garbage at. So, you know, I I was fortunate to have some friendly access to guidance early on where I could even just from a feasibility perspective, be like, is this possible? Or am I just thinking of like magic, you know? <laughs> um, and, and so that was helpful, you know, developing a language from which or through which to communicate to the the technical side. Cause I did hire, 
a team of contractors initially before my co-founder joined me. I was a solopreneur initially and um, just hired out the technical talent. And I, I realized that like they just speak in a very different way. You know, they have different ways of um, setting expectations. They have different ways of ensuring things get done according to a timeline. And so that was something I had to learn. Um, it was also something that once my technical co-founder came on board, you know, he took over and I saw what mastery looked like in that area. So that was uh, a really interesting learning. Um, and then of course the other huge challenge for me was finding, finding that technical co-founder and my partner. And how did you go about doing that? So I, I like to call it, um, like co-founder dating, right? <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> you know, you're like, how do you make yourself as desirable as like possible? When at the end of the day, finding a technical co-founder is one of the hardest things to do. It's already hard to find a business partner who you jive with. And then to be looking for someone who is technical in a world where ev- like anyone with technical talent is in such high demand and you're this fledgling startup and you basically just have a vision, you know, I because I had invested in this other technical team of contractors to build an MVP, when I went to post, you know, on some of these different technical uh, job posting boards about this opportunity, I was able to share a link to the MVP. So I was able to at least show people that this was more than just me and I, an idea and that I was moving forward with it already. Um, and that what I was doing was feasible and possible. So I had one of the many postings that I had out there caught the eye of my co-founder who just so happened to be at a time in his career where he was ready for his next project. This is his second company. He loves he loves the energy of startups. Um, he really wanted to get into machine learning and AI. And he was also kind of perplexed by this whole video thing and how we could make it better. That is fascinating. Co-founder dating. I am not going to forget that. <laughs> yeah. I love well, it. And, you know, so, so there's like the, the, there's like the scoping part of the dating. And then there's like the diligence part of the dating where you have to like sit down and have conversations around, you know, deep values and fears and, you know, communication preferences and weaknesses. And you have to get like very, it's almost like, uh, those later in life relationships where you sit down and you're like, you know, this is what I see for myself. You know, are, are we on the same page? Cause if we're not, we shouldn't be even going on this next date, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Incredible. All right. So tell me about, so see so your challenge was finding your, your, your technical guru, so to speak, mm-hmm. your technical partner. Um, tell me a little bit about on the client side, what are some what is some of the feedback that you're getting from your clients? Great question. We so again, the two main clients we have are either B2B where we sell direct into these training organizations or we have like B2B2B reseller partners. Um on the partnership side where we work with these coaching firms or coaches, it's really it's 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 um What's really been fascinating to hear is that the big challenge they've been facing is, you know, seeing this rapid evolution of technology in the coaching, in any, in any space and industry, but especially in the coaching space and having 
traditionally been firms where it's always the human that's doing the coaching. Something we've had to work very deeply on with our coaching partners is like, where does this technology sit in interaction with both the end user, right? The coachee, but then also the coach who is leveraging this technology now to coach even better, um, but doesn't, we don't want them to feel threatened by it. So that's something that comes up a little bit in some of the feedback we get from coaches in the sense that, you know, coaches are very quick to point out what the tool can't do. Mm. And we're like, totally like we didn't design it to do that. Um, you know, because what what kind of thing is that with like example, like, um, minutia in different contexts that would lend to different behaviors. So for example, if you're running through one of our assessments, we our AI is trained on like virtual presence best practices. So if you are practicing a challenging conversation, the way you show up non-verbally is going to be very different from how you would show up if you're sharing a really exciting announcement. Our AI is going to bias towards that exciting announcement, right? Because we want to help people feel like they can show up and express and be engaging and keep people engaged more from that presentation perspective, um, less so from like a very specific use case of, you know, this is a very sad and challenging time and, you know, whatever the news is that you have to share. Um, Not that we couldn't get there, but we're just not trained for that yet. And so it's like, we depend on the coach to make sure that the coachee is using the tool within a context that makes sense for the tool. Okay. And you said yet. So it sounds like there might be some modifications down the road. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Constantly adding and modifying. And I think it'd be really cool to give our users the option to be more specific about this, the use case or the context that they're practicing for, and then be able to shift the, um, the AI accordingly. Makes me think a little bit of like marketing avatars almost. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So if I if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like you work mostly with either coaches or resellers, but not individuals. Is that correct? So we we any individual can use our product. Um, but we tend to work with teams. Like we will individuals can access us typically more easily through like their company or their manager or whatever. And the reason for that is we found that um, just in terms of mobilizing the market, like, yes, there are millions of individual professionals who are on video, but the value proposition is very different. If we can go to a team and say, Hey, like we can help you train every single one of your salespeople or every single one of your customer success reps. Um, they, they'll all get access to the same tools, the same feedback opportunities, you know, it's self-serve. It's convenient. You don't have to take them out of the field for like a long training. Uh, um, and that value prop just helps us sell better. I can see that. I can see that. And you actually hit on two things that I was going to ask you. And basically, you know, who generally uses this? And I heard you say client success and sales. <laughs> and yep. that was what I expected. Yep. Yep. So Rachel, what do you see in the future for, for virtual sapien and yourself? I see an increasing amount of personalization within our tools. So whereas, you know, just before I mentioned 
we are specialized in this virtual presence best practices space right now. Um, you know, we provide personalized feedback, but again, it's within the context of this general best practice space. I think that there's a ton of opportunity in, you know, creating the coach that is a little more versatile, that can understand a little bit more about your role and therefore some of the conversations you might be having and do role plays, right? Like I'm in sales, I'm going to have a renew, renew, renewal um, conversation with this client. You know, there are objections, like, you know, just testing, giving people a little bit more of a dynamic mm-hmm. conversational experience. Um, mm. Yeah, I think there's a ton of space there. So role-playing almost. Exactly. Yeah. Role-playing. Mm-hmm. My team hates it when I do role-playing with them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's totally daunting, I'm sure, right? It's like you're on such display. Yes. But they admit afterwards that it was helpful. Because I usually do it when exactly what you said, it's a tough situation and they're trying to figure out how to approach the person and what they might want to say. Right. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Yeah. So, Rachel, what should I have asked you that I didn't? Um, I mean, I think it might, I'm not sure if I'm like perfectly articulating the, um, you know, the self-serve nature of the tool of our solution. Like, we do fo- like our our revenue comes mostly from businesses and those reseller partners but like anyone can anyone can and is welcome to try out our the in call coach or any of the asynchronous features as well um you know we wanted to make sure that anyone could get at least a little bit of feedback without mm-hmm. having to even put in a credit card oh so you do offer a trial yes and where can people find that on our website, virtualsapiens.co, C-O, not .com. Okay. So virtualsapiens.co. Are there any other ways that people can find you after the show? I think we're most active on LinkedIn. So whether you want to give me a follow or Virtual Sapiens on LinkedIn, you know, we post on a weekly cadence. Um, so that's always probably the best way. Perfect. I'll make sure both your website and your LinkedIn are in the show notes. Rachel, you've been an amazing guest today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on and for your questions. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth through technology, leadership, and people strategies. Do you have an idea for a podcast or feedback you'd like to share with me? Send me a note through my website at dcavirtual.com slash contact.